You're listening to Clock Shelves Entertainment, the only podcast network bringing you great times. This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another bonus episode of Lost with Friends. And man, it still feels so good to say those words again. Uh, As always, I am your host, Paul Casey, and we are joined today by a recurring guest. And believe it or not, we still are bringing on brand new guests. So I will let them reintroduce and then introduce themselves. Go ahead, guys. Hey everyone, uh, it's Jake Wolken for the first time in what seems like an eternity. It is Mr. Lostpedia back on Lost with Friends. Hey everybody, it's Ellsworth Tallman, the Ellsworth Hamilton Tallman. You also might know me as the Electric Tongue if you listen to some of the other podcasts. And Paul, can I say, do you know how grateful and honored I I am to be on Lost with Friends. Well, it's it's funny. I never thought this would happen. <laughs> I never thought this would happen. Never thought this would happen. So it's funny. I, I have to say, uh, Ellsworth, that now going back through some things every so often on Facebook, you know, met, like memories will pop up and whatnot. And most of my most everything on my personal facebook is just sharing things from clock shelves and it has been that way for a few years now and towards you know every i, I could see you know certain things and and if i'm friends with people like i if i've shared something i could see who shared it so sometimes i could see you know oh jake shared something and whatnot and i could see you know past things of you know comments and 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 things like that and I've gone back and I've seen where Kevin would share things and then you would comment, hey, I might want to be on. And there was one time and I didn't even realize it where he was like, hey, man, I think my friend wants to be on. And I'm sure that in my, the back of my mind, I went, oh, that'd be great. And then I probably forgot, unfortunately. And I do apologize for that. But I do know that ever since the very first time that you and I spoke one of the first things that Kevin mentioned was that you were a big losty as well. And you've actually, you told me not, I'm not tooting my own horn, but you did tell me that you had listened to stuff with, you know, that Kevin and I had done. And I remember you saying that it was strange for you to hear my voice and basically be able to interact with me because normally you're just listening to other conversations. So I knew that on one of the first uh, episodes of lost with friends coming back, Um, And especially one where we're trying something a little different. I had to get, of course, one of my most reliable people who I can always say, hey, man, I have this weird idea. I want to do something. Boom. Jake, immediately the first person that comes to mind. And then, of course, uh, seeing as it, you know, there is the opportunity for something different. Again, somebody that I know that I could say, hey, I have an idea. And the fact that you had never been on the show before, Ellsworth, you, the two of you, both Jake and Ellsworth, it, it seemed like the perfect match. And I, I feel like even the last time the three of us did something, we did an episode of Lost with Friends. I felt like there was a really good chemistry between the two of you and really the three of, of us together. So I thought this would make for a really interesting concept. So I am 
Absolutely happy to have you back, Jake, and I am thrilled to have you on for the first time, Ellsworth. Happy to be here. And you know I love chatting it up with Jake. So I wanted to do something a little different today um, for this particular episode. Uh, And I thought with Lost with Friends returning as like a monthly sort of series, it gives us the chance to explore, as we often talked about on the series proper, the experience of Lost because it was a TV show and all these things. But really for for us, it was an experience. And so I wanted to do something a little different today with our topic. But before we do that, we're going to go to a little bit of the same. And I'm going to say, Ellsworth, seeing as you're a first-time guest, I got to ask you all of the standard questions that I ask all first-time guests. How, when, <clears throat> why, so on and so forth. Did you get into Lost? Have you been a fan? You know, do you still watch it? All of those, you know, sort of first-time guest uh, questions that I'm sure you know how you exactly you're going to answer them all, but I'm now giving you the floor to answer them. Oh, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um, well, believe it or not, um, I got into Lost... I'd, I'd actually have to ask Kevin to confirm this. But I want to say it was fit prior to the fifth season. The only season I think I ever watched live was the last season. I don't think I watched the fifth season live. I think the sixth season might be the only season I ever watched live. I've watched Lost so many times now. I'll tell you how I got into it. Kevin lived with a guy named Jay that we were mutual friends with. And Jay said, hey, man, you want to come over? I was going to check out this show. Um, Breaking Bad. And I was like, oh, really? I kind of want to watch Lost. And he goes, oh, well, I just started it, but I'm already like almost to the second season. And I was like, I, and he was like, dude, if you watch the opening first, or if you watch the pilot episode of breaking bad with me, I'll watch the pilot episode of lost with you. And if you like it, like run with it or something. So we sat there and we watched both of them. And I fell in love with, I literally scooped up Kevin's DVD collection or Blu-ray collection off the thing. And went right home and watched it. I've since watched Lost every year um, since it's been off. We do a yearly watch. Um, If you date me, ladies, if you hear this, if you date me and you've never seen it, you will watch it. Um, It's a requirement. It is. And I think, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. Along with Fringe as well, but... I think um, even uh, I think even Jake can attest to that that it is if you're a super losty like we are it is sort of a a, a deal breaker that you, you have to at least give it a chance. I the wife I made the wife do it. Um, <laughs> a, a girl I dated previous uh, was a very short relationship, but in that short time we got through halfway of season one. So I'm serious with this stuff. <laughs> like you're with me, you're watching. <laughs> Yo, I got I got at least three different women to watch it nice you know my mom is a fan i mean so you know it's 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 a family thing too 
But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wish I had a little more clarity on that opening thing, but I just remember Jay calling me, we watched it and I'll remember going, wow, man, I just watched, like, I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to get off subject, but of, cause this is a lost show, but you know, both of those pilot episodes are like bang in your face episodes. Like both of those shows started so awesome. Just lost caught me a little bit more at the time that I was at in life. And, uh, you know, I fell in love with it and then I got like snowed in. So I was able to like binge the shit out of it. Um, back when you had to do it on like DVDs and Blu-rays, <laughs> the good old days. So it's funny. You said you watch it once a year. I got to ask Jake, it's been over a year since we finished the, uh, over a year since we finished the finale. I think, yeah, over a year since we even did the new man in charge. Have you watched it since? I haven't. It's, it's something and we've talked about this. You definitely talked about it too. I'll just, it, it, after doing it for, for the, for the podcast, we did an in-depth like analysis of all these episodes and characters and everything like that, that you kind of want that little bit of break between that one, that rewatch, and the next one, whenever the next one's going to be. So you kind of clear the mind a little bit. And I just haven't got to that point, I think. It'll probably be soon, because, yeah, it has been well over a year. So about that time. I uh, I feel the same. I, I, I'm, I still haven't watched it. Um, and like you said, yeah, be, because of doing, for the better part of three or four years, doing such, you know, each episode and the the webisodes and then the epilogue and all of that going as as in depth as we did i just as of right now and i'm not taking anything away because i still to this day say it is my favorite series and and all of that but i still can't bring myself and i mean it's and not to get too far off topic but with everything that the series meant to me and then doing the podcast meant to me especially at the end and you know a lot of the emotional stuff that I was going through towards the end of the podcast proper and whatnot I just haven't been able to uh fully bring myself to uh to start watching it but I I feel like whenever trust me whenever I do everyone will know hey I'm I'm watching it again but I just I have not brought myself to uh to finally sit down and and pull those DVDs out again (laughs) (laughs) um but i did want like i said i wanted to do something a little bit different today and i I, like i said i thought some of these bonus you know monthly episodes could be a fun way to do some things that we didn't really do before um in the episode previous to this um we sat down uh liam and andy and myself and we talked about the season one deleted scenes and i thought that was a really fun discussion because we got to sort of talk about why did things you know we kind of you know gave our opinions why did things get deleted could this be something that you put back in the show you know is it canon is it not and of course we have a whole thing on the recurring thing on the show of head cannon and and sound the cannon cannon and all of that but uh 
you know, we, we got to have a, a nice little discussion there. And I thought one of the things that we could do, and we'll see how this goes. I honestly don't know how this is going to go. But again, I have a weird idea. I call up these two. Um, and I thought we could do sort of a, a solo character breakdown. And it's one of the most short-lived characters we're going to be discussing today. But I feel like there's actually a lot that this character sort of accomplished in the short time that he was on. And so we're going to be talking about the life of Boone Carlisle. Um, and so I have I, I put together some some sort of notes of sort of his timeline. And then I have some, uh, you know, behind the scenes, like fun facts. So. Do we want to hear the behind the scenes fun facts first, or do we want to do the character, the actual like character story arc first? The Marvel Cinematic Universe is ever expanding. It's all over the place. You cannot avoid the Marvel Cinematic Universe these days. And it seems like mm, damn near everything is canon uh, now, considering uh, some things. So why don't you join us over at MCU and me, where myself and various people from all over the universe discuss the... MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in release order. Uh, you can check that out. It is now available on Apple Podcasts. It is on Spotify. And you can find links uh, all over our social media for all that sort of stuff. But I am joined by all sorts of people. We are covering the films. We are covering the TV series. We are covering the then-Netflix originals. Uh, and so much more. Uh, the universe is expanding, and the show is expanding along with it, so go check out MCU and me right now uh, for all the true believers out there. Hey, Paul, this is your fucking show, bro. You lead <laughs> us into battle. We follow you, and we bring what we bring. Jake will do what he does. I'll do what I do, and together we'll make this shit rot. Let's go. I'll second that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, then. So standard uh, Lost with Friends rules apply. Stop me at any point. Ellsworth, don't take that to mean any point you want for just random stuff. Because um, <laughs> I do know you well enough to know that you would just do that just to be a jerk sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Capital A. So... So I have here, uh, Boone is the son of Sabrina Carlisle, the Martha Stewart of matrimony. When Boone was around 10, his mother met Adam Rutherford and the two got married. Adam had a daughter who was about eight named Shannon. And when Boone turned 20, he became the chief operating officer of his mother's business in New York. <laughs> More than once, due to his affection and attraction to his stepsister, Boone used his numerous resources, usually money, to get Shannon out of various situations. He even tries to give her money when her father passes, um, and she doesn't because she doesn't get money from her father passing due to Boone's mother insisting that Shannon is too spoiled and needs to earn money on her own. One instance of Boone rescuing Shannon is in Australia, where he finally learns that most, if not all, of her past abusive relationships were actually schemes by Shannon to get Boone to give her money when she got none from the passing of her father. 
Boone is, of course, hurt by this, and Shannon sleeps with him before they're set to depart back to the United States on Flight 815. And I want to take a pause here to talk about the fact that we got to remember this was 2004. I feel like this was before uh, the whole, and you know, it would be definitely parodied now with the whole "What are you doing, step bro?" sort of meme and and genre of adult entertainment that goes on, or that you know that, that's, that's out there. But this was two thousand four. Yeah, that this category was... is really skyrocketed. <laughs> that's well, that's the only category. It's either your stepsister or your stepmother, bro. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it for 2004 when this was originally on this. I mean, you know, obviously in that way, we could say this was setting a trend, but it it was kind of odd. It was, a, it, I mean, no pun intended, but it was more, you know, taboo at the time. Than, well, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's still kind of a taboo. I mean, it's I mean, I feel like in the general public's eye, it's still somewhat frowned upon. And that's why it's such a gigantic porn no, category. Is it too. Not? Tab- yeah, I mean, no, is no, it is. Yeah, that's why it's uh, like that's why it's it's huge in the porn world because people get to live that fantasy of it and then not really act on it. Like what we see on Lost is we we actually see two people act on what so many people apparently fantasize about. Yo, but you want to know trends. what's messed up? Is that like. Oh, Ellsworth, I believe, has a stepsister, so I can't wait to see where this sentence is going. (laughs) Man, fuck you, Paul. (laughs) Be cool. But what I'm saying is, is they, they fantasize about it, but it's like there are two words that really like. The person is nobody. It's it could be. Do you know what I mean? It could be anybody. Like you could have a million of them. It's just because you're calling it those two words, and that one word identifies with something that should be taboo, and that's what is weird. I find it weird, but that's just because of you know how you look at it. I mean, the end of the day, I've had a couple of them. You know what I mean? Because I've had my parents get married multiple times. Okay. You know what I mean? And so I don't even talk to some of them. Like, they're just like people I knew. Like a friend I had. Right. You want to call them a subsister, call them that. But, like, at the end of the day, like, what does that really mean? You know well, what I mean? I think in this case, It's though... the emphasis. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the emphasis that you put behind it. And the way they portrayed this is that it was very like it wasn't so much just like he was sleeping with his stepsister, like he was in love with her. And I think the thing you with know this what I mean? versus like that particular category of, you know, adult entertainment or or whatever, like you see things all the time where if somebody was Excuse me, like now, like we're all a lot older now. So like if any of our parents remarried someone and like you weren't raised with that step sibling, but the like, I think one of the things that makes this a little bit, you know, quote unquote weirder, if you think it's weird, is the fact that they were raised like he was 10. She was eight. They've known each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So for not all like, and purposes, that was his sister. Right. Not like, yeah, not like, oh, shit, you know, we're in our 20s and our older parents get married and we met at the wedding and it's like, oh, snap. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I got you. No, and I mean, for how they did this, they had to set it up like that, though. I mean, and it and their relationship and how their relationship is defined and where it takes both of them on the, you know, direction it takes them. They, you know, th- it has to be a needed thing. Like, Boone needs to be that attached to her so that later on he can be broken from that so that he will follow John Locke without question. Well, I think, I mean, I definitely think that I actually have that in my notes a little later, but I think one of the other things is, and we had obviously, cause we're, I'm going through this chronologically versus yes. the way it was presented on the show, but it just further shows some things about his character where it's, he has that need to be the hero. You know what I mean? Like that's sort of his, that's, that's what he's always wanted. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is definitely ever since he was a kid, this is that where he wants, you know, my, uh, several of my friends used to joke with me, not just about the, the instance with my ex that I've talked about, but there have been a few times where I have, dated or been attracted to women with kids who have been in bad relationships in the past or whatever. And my friends have joked that, you know, Oh, they're like, Paul, you, you can't be captain save a hoe. You know what I mean? And it feels like it's a similar thing where he just wants to be the one to protect her and then Man. really protect everybody and, and be the hero that realistically they all, or most of them make Jack or John or, you know, Saeed or any of them out to be. So if you haven't already, uh, go check out on Content Club. One of the bonus episodes we have once a month is a show called Two of Us. It features myself and my father uh, going through some different things in Beatles history. Uh, I know that... That may not sound like fun to some people. You may not be a Beatles fan, or maybe you're just a casual fan, or what have you. But we're making some interesting discoveries along the way. Because one of the things that we uh, have with that show is I provide a lot of research and things like that. And my dad, who was alive for a lot of it, but kind of caught up later because it was happening when he was, you know, incredibly young. Uh, But he is one of the biggest Beatles fans. I know one of the biggest Beatles fans you'll probably ever meet if you get the chance to meet him, of course. But we kind of provide, it's it's almost like a sports commentary sort of deal where I provide some play-by-play and he provides the color, meaning he can provide some context and some things because he's read various uh, books, he's seen various interviews, and heard various interviews and all of these things, and he has such a vast knowledge of all things Beatle-related, and we're covering some topics that aren't necessarily the major topics when it comes to the Beatles. So if you might be interested, go check it out. It's available on Content Club right now, patreon.com slash clock shelves and it is called two of us and it's us going through the long and winding road of the beatles
Man, hey, Paul, we cannot uh, – man, I'm with you. I've been Captain Save-A-Ho <laughs> way too many times. <laughs> it does not work out from my experience, I can tell you that. You can't turn a hoe to a housewife. <laughs> um. So in the aftermath of the plane crash, Boone is trying to perform CPR on Rose, commenting to Jack that he's a lifeguard and licensed. Uh, Jack informs Boone that he may want to give that license back due to performing CPR improperly. And Jack tries to get Boone to go away by tasking him with getting a pen. And I have to say with this, one of my favorite bits is I want to, maybe it's the expose episode or there's another episode at another point where we see the crash from like other people's perspectives and you just see him or hear him in the background running around going, anybody have a pen? Anybody have a pen? And just the fact that Jack was just like tr almost treating him like a child, because like I said a moment ago, he Boone wants to be the hero, but really Jack is the hero. And you know, you just kind of like, yeah, yeah, little buddy, go ahead, go get me a pen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Expose, which was, you know, filmed years after the pilot and so, you know, that's uh, the horrible Boone wig uh, on that, you know, <laughs> Boone, did, he didn't have the same kind of, you know, it, it'd been years after Lost, right? So he went and did other things and grew his hair however he wanted to grow it. And then they're like, hey, we want to, you know, film this flashback to day one, you know, basically on the island. And so uh, we're going to try to get your hair back that way. And they threw a, a, a very noticeable wig, wig on him. Well, let's see. So expose would have been season... Three. Three. Which would have been oh seven, oh eight. Right. Yeah, mid midway through season three. Yeah. Versus so... prior to September of oh four. Right. When uh you know, when the pilot got filmed in the summer of oh four, I think when they filmed that sucker. Well I was just I was thinking because I I believe it was oh nine is when and I'm I'm a fan and, you know, tease me all you want, but I don't care. But Vampire Diaries, I believe, was 09. So it was still a year away from when he had that. I was I was trying to think if that's the hair that he had at the time. Um, so I didn't really make like, I mean, we kind of know, again, with the whole wants to be a hero, hero thing. Uh, Boone was involved with going to uh find the signal and but I, I personally it, notes wise i didn't feel like he did anything in those scenes except belittle shannon while also trying to be protective of her unless i'm just completely forgetting something major that happened when they you know shot the bear and went to get the signal and whatnot am i missing anything major that happened boone specifically no i mean he's the one that says like oh hey shannon knows French would Shannon have stepped up because like she seemed very hesitant uh you know she she claims to not know it that well so would she have stepped up and and said hey I know French and I can translate a little bit I mean we, we don't know because Boone's the one that actually speaks up for her okay yeah see I, Damn, I didn't even that didn't even I didn't register. even remember that honestly yeah good call yo that's why Jake's here my man. Of course, during this entire time, Boone tries to be helpful, um, but he also remains very protective of Shannon, even though she's increasingly critical of him. And such as, you know, he tries to offer her a candy bar at one point, and she's just like, oh, like, I'm going to start eating chocolate and, you know, all this other stuff. 
Um, and this protective nature and his romantic feelings for her eventually lead to a few heated discussions with Saeed. More than once, Boone tries to be a heroic character. He initially tries to save Joanna from drowning, but he himself ends up being saved by Jack. And then he and Jack disagree over this choice. He also steals the water of the camp in order to have someone guarding it. And this slightly backfires when Claire needs water and he must try and sneak it to her. And another time he even gets beat up by Sawyer because he believes Sawyer stole Shannon's inhaler, which she won't or which she needs, but won't admit that she needs. And Sawyer only had a book that was with Boone and Shannon's luggage, uh, not actually the inhaler. And I, I thought again, and I, I'll, I'll kind of sum it up when we get to the end, but he was not around that much, but he does all these little things, which in theory are really good things. And I think at one point, even when, when the, uh, the whole thing with the water is happening, Jack, I believe it is even mentions, you know, just a few days ago, Boone was out there trying to save Joanna. And now he's trying to do something good. And you're about to like crucify him. You know, because they all start turning on each other. Of course, we're supposed to think early on, you know, very Lord of the Flies type of deal. But it just further proves the kind of guy that Boone wants to think of himself as. You know, I'm going to do this. And he, you know, he off, he definitely thinks of things for what he thinks is for the greater good and, and so on and so forth. It just almost every time backfires on him. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost vigilante type sort of thing where the the meaning is good. Like when he explains himself, you're like, okay, yes, you're not you're not the bad guy here, but could there have been a better way or anything like that? You, you start to think, and that speech Jack Jack gives, you know, part of his "Live Together, Die Alone" speech. I, I really think he's almost when he talks specifically more about Boone, he's almost speaking to the audience too, because I think there are plenty of people that watch that going like you're an idiot, Boone. Like, you know, you, you deserve all these bad things and stuff like that. And it's Jack who's like, hey, you know, don't forget, like, everything that you kind of are angry about are rooted in good. Uh, yes, I very much agree, yes. Um, in continuing with Boone trying to do good, when Claire gets kidnapped by the others, uh, Boone wants to go out and help try to find her. Um, and he... I put, he falls under Locke's tutelage. They first discuss their origins with Boone not believing John simply worked at a box company due to Locke's skills and knowledge in the jungle. And I want to ask, obviously, Jake, you've talked multiple times about the fact that Locke is your favorite character. And I know we just said earlier how we haven't really gone back and watched it, but what, like, what do you think now, sort of going back and, you know, knowing what you know about, about uh, how Boone ends up and whatnot and just all of these things with Locke every time you watch or think of this early interaction between the two of them. Because I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say the last time we would have talked about this on the podcast, we were still trying to do not-so-spoilery things. And then, <laughs> so so I, now I guess with that wall way gone, obviously, because we finished the series, what do you think now going back and talking about this sort of early interaction between these two? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense that, that Boone kind of uh, got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of uh, 
followed Locke, I should say, followed Locke pretty easily. You know, we were just talking about how Boone has this little bit of a hero complex, wants to do good, wants to do right, you know, and stuff like that. And, and I think he saw Locke as sort of a means to do that where Locke's a hunter, so if I'm with him and I'm gathering food, people look at me as the good guy, or hey, we're about to go look for Claire. If I happen to find Claire, I'm the good guy. So um, I, I see how he got easily attracted towards towards Locke like that. Um, you know, it's it's a interesting pairing, and of course Locke himself is is one that likes to make an impression. So he sees Boone as, as maybe moldable, and he he could kind of sense that you know he's got those troubles with Shannon, especially as, as we go a little bit further down the the timeline there too. So he sees himself as, hey, I can be a little bit of a savior to this kid. Um, so it it, it kind of works out, you know. Uh, it, it's an interesting pairing. It's a good pairing. On that, I think it's interesting. I don't know if we talked about it, you know, during the the series proper, but that's an interesting take about Locke, you know, wanting to um, have someone sort of like as much as Boone may have been looking uh, sort of like you said, like, oh, I could kind of piggyback off of John's success and make it my success. But for John to, you know, want to have somebody to mold because it wasn't if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't long before this where he was sort of doing something similar with Charlie and then that just kind of like because Charlie started hanging out with Claire a little bit more, right? That Well, almost with, with anyone, you know, so you're right. We saw uh, the Charlie kicking the drug habit. Like Locke tried to implant himself in so many people's lives and stuff like that and doing good. Built a crib for Claire. You know, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Obviously gets brownie points for that. Uh, obviously just being the hunter for the group and bringing them food, bonus points there. Um just various little times here and there we see him helping out a helping out a character especially in this you know first half of season one even you know uh you know before boone's death um that's what lock lock did a lot of that and and i and you were talking about boone being attracted to, to that the whole mentor mentee thing i think they were kind of looking for each other yeah in that way well yeah like i mean you so realistically lock at some point or another kind like tried taking charlie under his wing he tried taking Walt under his wing. He tried, you know, taking Boone under his wing. Like you said, he he definitely endeared himself to Claire, you know, and and so it is it, I, I never I, I maybe I did think about it, but it, it just all kind of clicked right now as you were as you were kind of saying all that, how many times he he did this Boone just being one example. Hey, everyone is James, recurring guest on Paul and all just taking the time out here to let you know about a special bonus episode of Paul and All available right now on Content Club. In it, Paul and I discuss a failed pilot, How I Met Your Dad. We were prepared for How I Met Your Father. Yes, there are two different shows. This episode will never be released in the main feed, so go check it out right now at Content Club, only at patreon.com forward slash clockshells. Thank you. And we'll we'll obviously get to it a little later, but it seems, and maybe it was part of the arc of that character, which of course we could, you know, we could maybe talk about another time, but just as a side note, it seems that for Locke, most of these were almost a means to an end sort of thing. Because as we'll discuss in a little bit with, with Boone, once everything, Whoa. 
What? What was that? What's that? You. What was that? Let's go. I was in the middle of a sentence, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, Continue, Paul. But as we'll discuss here in a little bit, sort of once everything goes down with with Boone, it's like Locke just moves on. And he kind of did that same thing with Charlie and Walt and Claire and sort of they didn't serve a purpose to him anymore. And that, I think, shows a little bit more of a not to go off too much into a Locke versus Jack discussion. But that sort of shows a difference between the two of them as, you know, sort of the main main characters. Yeah, Locke was always on a mission. Yeah, we won't go too deep into it, but I think we're going to say that and then come up with another comment about Locke and his arc. But, you know, he's always protecting the island and stuff like that. And it's not to say he he moved on super, super quick from from Boone's passing. You know, he uh, we see we see his breakdown at the hatch. Um, He mentions to Desmond season two finale that, you know, he was bummed out, <laughs> I guess, uh, felt a little remorse for, for Boone's death, too. So it, it it did hit him a little bit, hurt him a little bit there. But he was always a man on a mission. Uh, so, of course, the mission going back a little bit at the point at the point we were talking about was finding Claire. And while they're out looking, they stumble upon a metallic structure. As they go out to the jungle uh, for several days to dig up the structure, not knowing what's inside, Boone continues to want to learn from Locke. Uh, John is clearly a believer in destiny and the island itself as sort of a physical manifestation of that destiny, and Boone isn't completely convinced. Locke also believes that Boone needs to let go of his feelings towards Shannon in order to move along in their journey, uh, which I believe, uh, Ellsworth, you commented on earlier. And to this end, John drugs Boone to make Boone believe that he's found Shannon, and the two are then chased by the strange noise they've been hearing in the in the jungle. And I made note of the fact, and I don't remember if we talked about it in the series proper, but in this entire sequence, we never see the later signs of the smoke monster, only the noises we've heard thus far. We see Shannon raise into the air, but never see the, uh, the smoke specifically pick her up. Uh, Boone believes his sister to be dead due to this hallucination. When he returns to the camp, he's ready to fight Locke, but Locke informs Boone that it was not real, and John even points out Shannon in the distance. Boone uh, realizes it was all part of, as John calls it, the experience, and Boone's attitude towards Shannon changes here. In many ways, he truly has let go of her. And Ellsworth, I want to ask you... um, Sort of like one of the things, like I said, that I sort of take away every time I rewatch that scene is the fact that we don't see the sort of the signs of the smoke monster in that scene. And there are things where I've read where some of the early writers, you know, with that whole, oh, they were making it up as they go along are like, yeah, early in the writer's room, we didn't quite know. And we used it as a, as like a metaphor for this and that and whatever. But then of course the long term writers are like, no, we knew the whole time. And from a, whether it be from a production standpoint or story standpoint, what do you think about the concept that we don't see the actual, smoke pick up Shannon 
and it's just sort of what the 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 noises and and whatever do you think that's more of a production thing that they didn't maybe they didn't have it in mind of oh it's a smoke monster or do you think that's more a story thing to let us you know that now we could go back and go oh hey no smoke that indicates this is a, a hallucination yeah i mean you know i i always perceived it more as it's half hallucination almost dreamlike like some of the dreams that happen on the island that you see some of the things that might not be there or other things that have been on the island or people on the island. So, you know, are we hearing the smoke monster? Are we hearing, you know, because he's heard these noises, is he hearing this? And that's the fear, you know what I mean? And I always perceived it as more as it's part of the hallucination in the dream that he's having. Right. Than it is what's, you know what I mean? What's actually going on. Um, that, that's just, you know, again, I don't, you know, I don't know what we, you know, how deep you get into or what you believe, or if you, you know, the Island is the driving force for you, but like all these things are happening to lead to certain moments that lead all these characters to other moments that need to happen. And, you know, him having this hallucination and the, that, you know, hearing the smoke monster, it being something that is present on the island. Um, he's heard it. The island knows this. So during this, you know, that's the driving fear factor to get to her. And this whole thing is to overcome that. See, I don't know if I ever thought about it that way where like obviously we see we've seen dreams right we see claire have a dream where Locke has one black eye one white eye we've seen dreams in jake's absolute favorite episode where charlie plays the piano and the baby is in the piano and jake i know that's your favorite so don't even try to disagree well, <laughs> my favorite scene was, from my well, favorite episode well and then like but like are you one of those people who believe that Locke has the dream about um uh who is it horace making the cabin when he has that dream about him uh having building the cabin in the woods you know some people don't think it's a dream they think it's you know smoky but like i it's a dream right right like well, yeah I, I agree. The, oh, you yeah. know what i mean yeah like there's certain like the dreams are the dreams and that's what i'm saying like there's no evidence in that that anything he's experiencing is any different than the dreams other than we're to believe he's full that he's awake but due to the you know the drug and the hallucination you know he's on that borderline i like i said i i I never thought about that that's actually a really interesting take on it i never thought about it in terms of oh it might be on the same level of a dream that the that the island or smoky or whatever you want to say is providing to him versus he's just experiencing a drug trip I like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you well, you, I mean, I look at it like that only because you look at what happens next, and then look at what happens next, and what happens next, and then I like everybody puts the pieces together a little different, maybe. So, you know, like I said, this leads him to 
fully be on board to be gun ho with going forward with John Locke. He he needs that. John Locke needs that. The island needs that. Jacob needs that. Smokey needs that. Everybody involved needs those events to happen. Right. One of my favorite things about recording any of the shows that I do, like MCU and Me or Lost with Friends or even back when we used to do Wrestling Renegades, is finding out little uh, details about the people that we have on. Uh, And sometimes in the middle of those conversations, you get some very interesting details about who the people are. And of course, we try to present you with who those people are across the various Clock Shelves Entertainment shows. And one of the best ways that we do that is on our show, Paul and All. Um, It is where I sit down uh, with various people from all over the world, as I always say, and I just talk with them. And I, the, you know, no topic is too small on our show, Paul and All, as our intro says. And I would love if you would go and check it out, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, of course, you could find the links across all of our social media. And, you know, you could help us grow that show as well, because sometimes it's fun talking with the Losties or the True Believers uh, about things that aren't necessarily Lost or Marvel or wrestling or what have you. Um, Sometimes getting to know the people is what is the fun part for me. I am Paul. I am your voice of choice here at Clock Shelves Entertainment, and I host Paul and All. Go check it out. No, like I said, that's I I never I that's a really interesting take. I never thought about it like that because I always just figured it was just a drug thing. Hallucination. Yeah, I figured it was a halluc- like hallucination whereas the dreams are dreams, you know, provided by, again by the island smoky what have you. I never thought about the fact that he is kind of in that that in-between space between consciousness and unconsciousness. You know? Right. I I mean, they say you sleep in different levels. I mean, you know, you have different levels of depth in which your consciousness goes up and down. So you, like you said, you're just, you're at that threshold. So, I mean, again, hey, I'm glad I could bring a new perspective and a different one to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm going to go out on a top. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, later. Yeah, but, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I thought you'd uh, stick, no, I thought you'd this stick whole, I'll, I'll be honest with you. This, this, like, we, you, we all know that, like, Boone, we talk about all these different things about Boone, but we all understand that, like, Boone's whole character arc is, like, this whole moment that we are talking about, in my opinion. Wait, say, expand on that. Well, like, it's cool, like, you know, they they build all the backstories because you need that for him to be who he is. But, like, his role and what he plays and, you know, like Jake said, him wanting to be the hero, him wanting to save people, him wanting to do this, it helps lead to what's about to happen because what's about to happen is the part that he plays in this whole thing that is going on on this island in my opinion right Mm -hmm. um that being later as john and boone are still digging up what will later be referred to as the hatch and trying to break the small glass window 
uh, John ends up having a hallucination or dream or whatever we want to say of now that we're having that discussion uh, of a bloody and bruised Boone. Try saying that ten times fast. Boone is looking toward the sky and repeating the words, Teresa falls up the stairs, Teresa falls down the stairs. Uh, okay. Locke asks Boone about this, and Boone informs him that that is the name of his childhood nanny, who he'd cruelly tasked with going up and down the stairs, and one day she fell and broke her neck. With Locke not possibly being able to know this beforehand, Boone starts to believe a little more in the destiny and mysticism that John has been talking about. At this same time, Locke has seemingly lost feeling in his legs, and they're traveling further into the jungle because in Locke's dream, he saw a beach craft crash, and they're searching for it. Eventually, they find it in the canopy, but Locke cannot climb up, so Boone does. He hears a voice on the radio when he attempts a mayday call, but as he's trying to communicate who he is and the details of the plane crash, the beach craft falls forward, crashing to, uh, onto the ground below. Um, and I feel like really, obviously this kind of continues into the next bit, but one of the things that I always find interesting is that little tiny thing that you have. And there was the, the, I believe I want to say we probably covered it in the episode, that production detail that you hear the voice say, no, we're the survivors of Flight 815. And from if I remember correctly, the original line was going to be, there were no survivors of Flight 815. Am I right on that? Right. Uh, yeah, because I think it got almost retcon too, because then they, I mean, it wasn't, we know eventually it's that's Bernard uh, uh, who says it. That was obviously not Bernard's voice right in season one, though. I think they ended up changing it for later broadcasts to be, bernard's voice but yeah and actually that 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 last line too it's just it's said so so soon to you know uh lock shouting boon and the whole beachcraft you know coming down and stuff like that i definitely missed it first time around yeah so jake can i ask you something bro go for it like so the dream that lock has when he has this dream and he's given this information, where does he think this information is coming from? Um, I almost look at the island as a, a separate character. Well, it's um, your conch. I mean, 100%. So I think the island does a lot of influencing in, in these dreams and these vision hallucinations and stuff. Now, okay. what the island's goal and all of that was uh have to think about a little bit more yeah survival and stuff but i guess maybe yeah it looked at john locke as like the ultimate uh protector or a protector and was like well can't have Locke go up in the beachcraft so you know let's get wounded well follow me here follow me here okay he has the dream about this information he's also losing his legs it allows him to get Boone to follow him and almost do anything without question. When they get to the beach cruiser, because he doesn't have his legs, he can't climb without a doubt. The island has ensured this, that it has to be Boone to go up there. John almost walks away from that situation when it's over. After Boone falls, John almost walks. Within instantly, he is almost walking. But yeah, he's able to carry Boone back to the camp. So, I mean, exactly. So, yeah. that is exactly what needed to happen. And then, what does yeah. he go do? He goes and beats on the hatch that saves Desmond from all these things. Like, this all that's what I'm saying. This all led to 
The oh, island is a huge catalyst. Yeah, and that's uh, and it's all to the core of the island. Yeah, sometimes I, I think uh, Boone doesn't get a lot of credit at, at times. I don't even know if I give him a lot of credit, but hence at, this episode. He is a catalyst. Yeah, he is a catalyst <laughs> to to several things uh, in the series, including what you just broke down, Ellsworth. Yeah, if it if Boone wasn't there or it didn't play out the way it did. Things would be a whole lot different in the show. You know, I mean, he needed, you know, he needed Boone to, Boone needed to die or get hurt that bad that he was dying for him to go do that. Boone does. I mean, like you said, he doesn't get the credit. He He's played off as the perverted stepbrother that tried to, you know, was wanted to be the, the hero, so to speak, but kept messing things up or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. However you want to label him, but in the end, like you said, he was a a key catalyst, a key factor in a chain of events that leads to, you know, what it leads to. And the I, island's I, survival. I do want to make note that, one, that is one of the reasons that I wanted to sort of do this was because, like you both just said, you know, people may not think about the fact that he's as influential. I also want to point out the fact that even if for a moment, we're going to go with, Oh, they were just making it up as they went along. And I, I do think that a lot of the major mile markers they had planned. I'm, I don't think that they had every, every, you know, minute detail planned out, but I definitely think a lot of the major mile markers Damon and Carlton had planned between the end of season one and the beginning of season two. But even if they were quote unquote, making it up as they go along, they did a hell of a job going back, like basically working backwards and making it so that what we're about to talk about with Boone ends up being such an influential moment for many things in the series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, without a doubt. They like that. The, this is why this show is what this show is. And the people that wrote it and made it and produced it are the real heroes of it all and deserve all the credit because like you said, no matter how you want to dice it, you can say they made it up as they went along or they knew. Either way, it's fucking phenomenal. Right. <laughs> right. And if they did make it up as they went along, like you said, and went back and were able to keep it that tight and that precise, it's even that more phenomenal. Like, oh, man, sorry. I love the show. Boone, my boy, Boone, and poor Jack couldn't say Boone, you know, and that fucked that fucked, you know, no, oh, but Jack, pro- but Jack, okay, sorry, I won't, I won't cut you out. Continue. <laughs> sorry, I just want to, because I, I do have some things there. It's uh, just if you, if you were playing the catalyst thing, if you look at this moment again, you know, this helps a lot of characters go in the directions that they needed to go in to get to where they needed to go. And some of them needed to go one way and some of them needed to go another. Well, I and think, Bo- I, I think Boone helped us. 
I think all of that justifies Locke's line later almost any time he refers to Boone, a sacrifice the island demanded. It was almost a sacrifice the story demanded. It, but it did. Yeah. It, if you look at it, it, I mean, again, if you, if you look at it. And maybe simply, the island is the story. Boom. Over this last year, the entertainment space changed drastically. With many TV series being binged, many films seeing digital releases like never before, and many in show business starting or growing their online presence. Many actors, directors, producers, and more began to delve into the world of podcasting. Whether it was actors re-watching and giving behind-the-scenes details on their long-running uh, series, directors appearing to discuss their filmographies, or even comedians launching series to help grow their audience in a time when touring was non-existent, the podcasting landscape changed. And though we at Clockshelves Entertainment have tried to consistently bring you new content, we know we haven't always kept up our end of the bargain. But we would like to take a moment to thank you for sticking with us. And with so many options out there, we began to question how we exactly fit into the current space. We realized that although we may not have those involved in your favorite Marvel films or your favorite TV series or music genre, we have the unique fan perspective. We have something no one else has. Global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics in many entertaining scenarios. Yes, we have great times. We have the unique perspective of offering the different viewpoints from literally all around the globe. We'd like to thank you for sticking with us and we hope to continue bringing you more great times ahead. We've always said Clock Shelves Entertainment is a great way to pass the time. Great times ahead. But like I said, if you look at it simply as his legs were taken away and then given back right after that incident. How can you not? That alone says that the island wanted that to happen. Did that shit on purpose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with you, that, uh, can, Locke is able to get enough strength to carry Boone back to the camp and have Jack look at Boone. However, as soon as Jack starts to ask questions... Locke lies that they were out hunting, their perpetual lie for their mysterious absence, and says Boone fell from a cliff. Locke then disappears. Jack tries everything in his power, including transferring his own blood to Boone, uh, but Boone's injuries are too extensive. Most of the people in the cave are worried what will happen to Boone and what toll it will take on Jack. And Jack is even ready to cut off Boone's leg in an attempt to save his life. Boone, however, regains enough consciousness to tell Jack to let him go. He also informs Jack that John told him not to tell. He mentions the hatch and starts to say, tell Shannon I, before he passes away. This causes a major character shift for Jack and several other characters. Um, and really, that was the only line that I wrote, and I felt that we would kind of expand upon this more because it further has Jack's thing. I mean, as much as we said, you know, Boone sort of has a hero complex. Jack does as well because, you know, he 
is the hero that Boone wants to be, whether it be reluctantly or not. But that's only because he's trying to prove that he does have what it takes because his father, you know, yo, you don't have what it takes and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And the fact that he, you know, obviously the doctor thing, he thinks he can save everyone. And, you know, we know from his past things, not to go too much into Jack and whatnot, but he quote unquote, couldn't save his marriage. He quote unquote, couldn't save his father. Now, so soon after, after the father thing, he quote unquote, couldn't save Boone. There were several people that died in the crash that he couldn't save. And, you know, or the aftermath of the crash, I should say with like the, the Marshall, things like that. And so this is just another sort of tally mark for Jack in particular of, you know, one more person, one more thing that I couldn't save. Uh, like we said, you know, it leads Locke to go bang on the hatch and then that saves Desmond and they have that whole thing. Um, obviously, I have a few notes about um, Shannon and and her sort of reaction to it. But even I believe this even helps. I know it's going to sound odd, but I believe it even sort of helps Sun and Jin to sort of reconcile a bit because I think she has to help. Uh, she helps Jack and I think. Jin is there doing something, right? Don't they have some sort of interaction in the caves during this whole thing? Ooh, something in the brain saying yes. So couldn't probably have been too, too much. I think Sun was very preoccupied. But I'm just saying, but like, even, even with regards to her character, you know what I mean? It, it helped because she was sort of coming into her own, even in terms of, I know this plant-based thing. Remember, because she has like that that needle-y thing and she helps Jack and, and she's becoming less and less, you know, timid and, and whatnot. So this, you know, to use the, the continued word that you both have used, this is a catalyst for a great many things. Yeah, let's not forget. So this is episode, you know, 19 of season one. So a lot of themes and stuff are just starting to begin and we're just starting to see some repetitive stuff and uh, stuff that's going to be elaborated on in later episodes. You know, Boone says a key phrase that is echoed quite often as the series goes on, let go. You know, you can let go to Jack. We, you know, you talked about kind of Jack, some of his issues and stuff like that, wanting to save everybody and stuff. And that all stems from not being able to let go. And uh, so this is one of the first times the viewers are hit with that phrase in terms of Jack. And, uh, it, it will, you know, we'll see it definitely play out a lot more as the series goes on. But it's it's a catalyst of that. It's the survivors uh, somewhat turn on lock a little bit. You know, they're they're definitely suspicious. This guy who, again, was bringing them food, building cribs, kicking, helping to kick drug habits. And then this happens. And so it's a shift in in the what people's thoughts are on Locke. So it's it's a big one, you know. It it's uh, as I mentioned, it's the you know 19th episode of the first season. A death at this point, 19 out of you know 24. It's definitely not the finale. There's still several episodes to go. I think that was kind of unheard of ish in network television. A lot of times the deaths were finales, premieres. Maybe if you do like a mid-season finale or anything like that, but to have it be at this point with still some stuff to go before the finale, I think that added to the whole uh, Lost as a Water Cooler show is, oh my God, they killed a guy 
you know, this is the first major character death, you know, major character cast yeah. member death. So I, I think that that added to uh, the, the excitement of Lost in terms of viewers. It's really fun in a weird way because, Jake, I think you and I covered that episode in particular. So it's really fun getting to sort of go back and, and retell. <laughs> Am I repeating song. myself? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying you're repeating yourself. But I just it's it's interesting now with with all of the hindsight that we have on even other people's views on a lot of things, because I mean, like, let's, let's even think about this. So, okay. From the viewer's perspective on lost as a show in season one, right? Like you said, it was, it, it helped it to be sort of the water cooler thing. It was relatively, you were, you are correct. It was unheard of to kill off a quote unquote major character. Um, if it wasn't, uh, either premiere finale or something with sweeps where they promote it as like someone will die, you know, or something like that. It was just seemingly out of nowhere. This character died. And again, he, it wasn't like Jack or Kate or Locke or anything like that, but he was a pretty big character, at least in the lives of, you know, many of the other uh, crash survivors, as we sort of talked about. And, in, even though it was obviously many years after the show had ended, in season one of our podcast, a lot of season one was you, Mike, Megan, Esteban, Kevin, and then I started to get a few more other people on season two. We started to get more people, um, the the Cornforths and Andrew started to come on a lot more. Uh, Liam joined, Crystal was on a few, you know what I mean? Like things like that. We started to get more people, but as weird as it may sound, a lot of season one was, like I said, you, me, Mike, and Megan just sort of talking about a lot of things. So now we can even have the, the benefit of, of hindsight to say maybe the first time we talked about this, we may not have even had the opinions that others have had, like even Wayne or Ellsworth now dropping more headcanon stuff on us. You know what I mean? To sort of think about some of these things that we may not have thought about back then that we can sort of cover this now mm -hmm. oh yeah very true um so shannon is informed of boone's death and she weeps over his body at the caves uh jack insists that he's gonna hunt for Locke, believing boone was murdered and uh i believe it's in most trivia sections whether it be on imdb or lostpedia or what have you where the writers sort of said that this obviously led to the final arc of season one, which helped uh, set up what they said would be a big arc throughout the series, which was Jack versus Locke. And of course, in the, the podcast proper, we talked about that quite a bit, because even if it wasn't Locke, it was fake Locke. It was still the basis of the series by the end was Jack versus Locke. And this, like we said, was sort of a catalyst for that. Um, Boone was given a burial in what would eventually become the cemetery for the deceased survivors. Shannon would visit his grave every so often with Vincent, the dog even leading her there in one case, a few weeks after Boone's death, Locke builds his own sweat lodge near the cemetery and he hallucinates Boone who gives him an otherworldly tour of many of their friends this version of Boone is a lot cockier than Boone when he was actually alive. Uh, John even tries apologizing to Boone. 
Um, and of course, that's where, you know, we, we hear that phrase a little bit more, a sacrifice the island demanded. And this sort of lends to Ellsworth's theory of these hallucinations. Are they dreams? Are they sort of in between a dream reality? Is this sort of enough where your mind, you know, the guard, the guard in your mind or what have you is let down enough that Smokey or the island or whatever can sort of get in and influence things. Um, and the end of this sequence includes Boone telling John that someone is in danger. And one of the last things Locke sees there is Boone bloodied and bruised like he had seen him previously. And when the Oceanic Six return to the world, uh, Boone is used in their cover story. I don't know how it is on streaming services now, but I know for a little while this was pretty much only included on what was cons- what was called the enhanced versions of that episode, um, where it said that uh, Boone was one of the few that survived uh, along with the six, but he died shortly after due to injuries, and he's spoken of in a very flattering light. So I do like that even, whether it be uh, post-appearances, like we said, where he comes back in that sweat lodge scene, or even if it is a bad wig, they sort of brought him back to run around asking for a pen and whatnot. We do sort of see him in some of these middle-season uh episodes hey there folks just taking another break to remind you to check out our social media pages we're trying to grow those and we're wondering what you want to see more from us Uh, you can let us know your feedback on our shows you can let us know uh feedback on just about anything really over on our social medias you can make requests for various guests that you want to maybe return to certain shows or you can give us topics um you can check out all of that and you can even find pretty much across the various platforms the people that have been on uh our shows because we follow them and are followed by them pretty much everywhere uh on facebook instagram and twitter we are clock shelves of course that's c-l-o-c-k-s-h-e-l-v-e-s we are trying to grow our social media presence as i said so um in addition to us trying to post as often as we uh post new content for you uh we're also trying to make everyone else aware of our social media so make sure you go give us a follow maybe even uh share us sometimes you know when we post new stuff it's at clock shelves that's c L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And it, for a lot of people, and again, we talked about this sort of on the podcast proper, where for some people it was just like, I don't care, I'm not a fan of Boone, or, oh, okay, yeah, great, it's you know good to see him, we haven't seen him in a little while, but now let's get back to the rest of the story. And Jake, I believe you and I actually covered that. Locke goes on a vision quest episode as well. And I think we kind of felt that maybe at the time where it's like, oh yeah, it's nice to see him, but let's get to the real story sort of deal. But now I feel like, and this is maybe it's just me, but now sort of going through all of this, it is sort of funny to, to think how he was such an influential part of not just Locke, but the story overall and that they would bring him back for something like that. Yeah, there there had to be when it came to like Locke's vision, he had to have that led by a character that meant something to Locke. Like you could, couldn't just throw any Joe Schmo in there and say, hey, follow me on this journey through the airport. So, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sure we appreciated the cameo back then, the, the, the guest starring 
uh, role there. I still do. You know, it, it definitely is to get that shout out and, you know, remember, oh, yeah, Boone was a thing, <laughs> you know, and and it, it does. It, I, I think I thought it made sense back then. I, I think now it makes a hell of a lot more sense having this conversation with you guys in this episode. Yeah, no, without a doubt, it, it needed to be Boone. Um, and again, he, it shows that he was way more of an important element and character to the overall arc of other characters and the story of, you know, the island, again, that I believe is at the heart of all of this, but that's just my belief. But, you know... <clears throat> It's uh, it was nice, and it's it, again, like you said, you know, we definitely did appreciate it back then. I still do it. Like you said, it's nice. Uh, but it were it worked for that because you know John was still torn about that. It still was something that was, you know, it, that that bothered him. But he also, you know, it bothered him, but he knew it had to happen. So it, it was a good. It was a good callback to have him, you know, it, push and have half naked lock around. And it's one of those things where at the time, unless you sort of talk about it, maybe in this, you know, where you, you sort of piece everything together like this and you think, and I think we may have, t we've talked about it. I know a few times when we, you know, characters have been gone for a little while of, oh, it's been, it's been a little while since we've seen them. So it is nice to see them again but it is nice in in that way like you talked about ellsworth where this was still you know like kind of eating away at john and maybe we as the audience didn't even think about that because we have gone through so much with all of these characters you know what i mean because obviously like Locke is as a character is just focusing on the story of Locke. we're focusing on the story of everyone and between when he dies you know towards the end of season one to when we see him in that vision quest in season three i believe we've experienced the raft launch and then blow up we've experienced the entirety of the tailies we've experienced the henry gale storyline we've already experienced or we're at, we're in the process of experiencing the beginning of the others, because that is sort of part of that vision quest where the uh, Jack and Kate and them are off on one, you know, and Sawyer are, are sort of on one side and, and uh, you know, Hurley and everybody else are, are on another side and whatnot. And um, we've also, let's see, what else have we experienced by that point? Michael has, you know, left and come back and left again. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Walt is gone. And we've we've experienced so much that we may not have even been thinking about the fact of like, oh, you know, yeah, this that death all the way back in season one, which, again, seemed like nothing to most. I'm not even going to say that it, it meant a lot to me because it really didn't, because as much as he was a main character, he wasn't really a main character in the same sense as a Jack or a Saeed or Kate or what have you. He was 
a B character at most, really, even though obviously, like we said, he didn't want to be that. Boone was a B, maybe even a C character. And so, okay, yes, his death, you know, led to some things, but you don't necessarily think of him as, you know, sort of the A team like we like we kind of talked about them as. But it still meant something to Locke, like you just said, Ellsworth. Like, it was still eating away at him. And it does kind of give you a nice a nice moment or a nice uh, sort of ending to that where it's like, wow, like, he's been through so much. But this one, like, we know that that stuff sticks with Jack. But to now realize that that's stuck with Locke, too, it's like, wow, that actually means quite a bit because Locke has gone through a lot and this still is sticking with him. facts um and like i said just uh, on a personal note i do like the fact that however they thought of the entire story i like that when the oceanic six sort of had their press conference like i said that they they used him as one of the the people you know and they spoke highly of him and whatnot which is you know it's one of those things where only in death you know, like now, now that he's gone, everyone speaks highly of him. When he was around, they all thought he was a an idiot. <laughs> and you almost wonder if that was just part of their story too. We'll speak highly of him, so it makes their story look good. Though I'm sure they really did think of him as a decent person. Right. But yeah, no, it's just <laughs> I like that. Um. So then in the flash sideways, of course, in season six, um, Boone is all alone on the flight back from Australia. He's sitting next to Locke and jokes after finding out that Locke claims he was on a walkabout. Uh, if the plane goes down, he's sticking with Locke. And of course, that's very much a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to all of us watching. Um, and after they land safely in Los Angeles, uh, Boone shakes Locke's hand before exiting the plane and he doesn't really appear again until the finale, which I think leaves a big unanswered question to what I'm about to say next. Um, Hurley and Saeed in the van. They watch Boone get beat up outside a bar until Shannon goes to save him. And then Saeed, in turn, saves Shannon, causing both Saeed and Shannon to have their awakening moments, which that's a discussion for another time. I don't necessarily want to get into that whole thing. You know, people being pro-Shannon or pro-Nadia uh, when it comes to Saeed. Um, but then Boone and Hurley discuss how difficult it was to get Shannon to come back, which I think was a sort of joke about the fact that they couldn't get her or him to really come back until the finale because they were, they were both off doing different projects. Um, more, yeah, more on her. She was supposed to be in that, that season six episode one as well. So he's like, you know, that's why Boone says like, I couldn't convince her to, to leave Australia it's like, well, because you couldn't get Maggie Grace. Right. <laughs> you couldn't convince Maggie Grace to get her ass to Hawaii. But uh, but then, yes. And then so it, it was a, a beautiful inside joke to to those that that know it. But at the same time, if you didn't know it, you know, it just it flows still. It works. And it makes sense for the character, because if it's a relatively good afterlife, then she wouldn't have need. I mean, we could get into that whole thing another time, perhaps, but that where she wouldn't have needed boon to save her and she wouldn't have needed a reason to come back because you know she didn't have money and all that whatever but yeah so it does it does play in well with the character 
Hey everyone, earlier in the episode you heard about the monthly content club series Two of Us, a Beatles podcast featuring myself and my father. Well, what you may not know is that uh, before we ever launched it as an official series, we did a sort of test episode. And, excuse me, I put that episode out actually on Content Club uh, months prior, but now that episode is available uh, in the Polynol feed. So you can go check that out. We break down the Beatles song Paperback Writer. Uh, it's not an unknown song, but it's not necessarily one of their more uh, popular songs, you know, like uh, Let It Be or Strawberry Fields Forever or, you know, something like that. So um, it was a really fun discussion. You could definitely hear uh, how my dad and I kind of were trying to find our footing. We got into some sort of side conversations about other bands of that era and even, you know, some more... Uh, modern music in comparison, things like that. Um, but we, we had a lot of fun recording it and it was definitely a great way to sort of try and figure out sort of what the dynamic might be. And if you like it, of course you could go check out the monthly episodes, uh, released on content club. So go check it out right now. It's a special episode available in the Polynol feed, uh, two of us where myself and my dad, Scott cover paperback writer, just one of the many entries into the long and winding road of the Beatles story. Um, Boone also jokes that he had to take a beating for a little while, uh, and they eventually agree that it was worth the effort of having Shannon and Saeed's memories back. And then in the church, which I, I thought this is, and I don't even know if we talked about it, probably not in the finale proper, um, but now in thinking about it, and when I wrote the notes, I kind of had to make this as a point. In the church, when Jack enters near the end of the episode, Boone is one of the very first people that Jack greets and I think it was just so fitting that because it was one of the first I mean obviously the marshal and you know some other people and whatnot but Boone being one of the first uh sort of major deaths again to him in terms of this new life and what became you know the most important time in his life and whatnot and that it's almost like a hey man you did your best don't don't be so sad about it moment when him and Boone you know, greet each other in the, in the church. And, and again, now kind of putting this all together, I just think that moment is even more, uh, more beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, it, the character of Boone is, as an, as an audience member, you've seen him pop up rather through its flashbacks, rather through these visions, flash sideways. So we're, you know, the, the, the viewer still like Boone is quote unquote fresh on the mind. But then if you really think about, Jack and how long it's been since he's seen Boone. It's since his death, right? You know, since he died, the last time he saw Boone, he died. So it, it means that much more to Jack than I think the average viewer. But if you really think about it, like I'm saying it now, it's like, wow, it means that much more to now me as a viewer, you know, and, and it was really good seeing, you know, Boone because the character of Boone is tied so much to the character of Locke and maybe even the character of Shannon, but like even Boone interacting with Hurley, you know, their little, you know, back and forth conversation there in the flash sideways and stuff. You're like, ah, that's so, 
it's it's cool. It's great to see him, you know, interacting with these characters that he did know. You know, he was on the island with them for the short time that he was on the island and everything like that. And it's been years since, uh, you know, this, you know, depending on how time works in the Flash sideways and all different conversation. But, you know, it's it just means that much more. And it's one of those things I, I feel like, and I actually have a note about this. I don't know how much you have uh, lost Pedia notes, Jake, but it's one of those things where had Boone, you know, survived, if it had been a different character, perhaps that would have been that catalyst or whatever. I feel like Boone would have been riding around in the Dharma van with, Jin and her like you know what I mean? like Jin and Hurley and and Sawyer and and they, they all sort of became like a nice trio and whatnot and and I feel like you know when they're all and Charlie even as well but when they're all sort of riding you know around the that little valley or whatever in the Dharma van I feel like Boone just would have naturally fit in with that crew of just hey I kind of want to just have a little fun in this moment do you know what I mean <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so you start to think about, okay, so if he didn't die, you know, with someone else, so would he still be, you know, super buddy, buddy with Locke? And then you start to think about Locke's journey. And if Boone was there the entire time with him, you know, you start to think of like, okay, season four, when it goes, you know, the camp split up. So, okay, Boone, what went with Locke? You know, you, you get, I gotta, I'd have to think about it and think of Locke's path would and how that would have affected Boone. Well, I wonder if some, I mean, and again, this is way too much of a what if, because as we said, and and I'm sure Ellsworth will probably chime in in a moment, it all had to happen exactly this way for this, the, the island, for Smoke Monster, for Jacob, for the story of Jack, the story of John, and and all of these things, and really the story of the show, like, you know, taking a, a, a mo- you know, coming out of it for a moment. But I just wonder if at some point Boone would have seen what many of the rest of them saw in Locke, where at a certain point, Charlie sort of, you know, I don't want to say abandoned Locke, but he didn't, he didn't have Locke or need Locke as a as a mentor you know like they sort of turned on each other with the whole Claire scenario you know like and and yes it was partly because Charlie got back on drugs and whatever but there were times where Hurley was very high on Locke and then there were times where he was like no I'm sticking I'm sticking with Jack because I trust Jack more Saeed and Locke had a lot of back and forth of are they friends are they not friends are they frenemies you know, same with Sawyer. Sometimes they, he and Locke were on good terms. Sometimes they were on bad terms. And I wonder if Boone would have ever sort of made that distinction of, I'm not going to be, you know, maybe I, maybe I see through Locke a little bit now. You know? Yeah, tough, tough to say. Like I said, you'd really have to start thinking about all these different events that, that happened post Boone's death and, and what did Locke do would Boone have gone with that? Would he have gone for on a different character side? Yeah, you'd really have to do a lot of assessing, and that's a good fan fiction for uh, for someone out there to write. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so I do have a few notes uh, with regards to the character of Boone, and I think we may have covered some of them on past episodes, but I just thought it would be 
uh, sort of interesting to go over them. Um, he was originally called Five in an early draft of the script due to his name originally being Boone Anthony Markham the Fifth. The writers, uh, when they changed it, they did a search and replace, resulting in an error at one point where Jack would have uh, said one, two, three, four, Boone. I always think that's very funny. Um, Summerhalder, of course, Boone, played by Ian Summerhalder, uh, didn't want to shoot a pilot, but he was convinced when he learned that he would get to work with J.J. Abrams, which says a lot because as big as J.J. Abrams was because of Alias and whatnot, he's even way bigger now. So the fact that a lot of people, you know, kind of signed on because he was doing a pilot, you know, huge deal then. Imagine what it would be like now. Um, I saw a report that he was reportedly play, uh, sorry, paid between $20,000 and $40,000 an episode. Not bad. Not um, bad. The producers stated that Summerhalder took the news of Boone's death very professionally. Summerhalder admits, however, that he found it, quote, pretty devastating, unquote. It was the first major death in the series of a major character, um, and gave, as we kind of talked about earlier, gave that continued idea that anyone could be killed at any moment. And allegedly, and this is where we sort of get into that fan fiction, what if sort of territory. Allegedly, it was originally two background extras who were going to look for Claire with Locke in All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. And it was later changed to Boone, thus ultimately leading to the character's demise. So that is kind of interesting. Like what? what might and it you know it kind of goes along with that whole what did they know what didn't they know when planning things and how far in advance and and whatever what would you know what ultimately could have or would have happened if it would have just been two background extras with Locke instead of Boone yeah super interesting I actually learned that one uh today doing my Boone research I can't believe I did not see that at all in the past many, many, many years. But uh, you're right. Yeah, it's just what would have been. Yeah. You already know with Clock Shelves Entertainment, you get great times, global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics, and many entertaining scenarios. We talk the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk failed pilots and prep for new shows. And we talk some shows that are, you know, we're looking at in retrospect. We talk with friends from all various walks of life. Sometimes it's sports, sometimes it's sports entertainment, and sometimes it's just pure entertainment. We are all over the country and all over the globe. We're friends, we're family, we are Clock Shelves Entertainment. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that until I was until I was doing the research for this. Yeah. Um, that's like great. That's kind. Of, it's kind of it's mind blowing a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ian Summerhalder was also the first to reportedly buy a house in Hawaii, and also the first, of course, <laughs> to leave the show. <laughs> the first to sell his house in Hawaii. <laughs> Um, I saw a report that said that ABC, after the death of the character Boone, actually signed him to another one-year deal. Of course, they do that with people a lot. They'll, and I'm sure Ellsworth can kind of talk about that from an actor's perspective, where they will sign people to what's called a holding deal and basically say, 
either we will develop projects for you or we will develop projects and see if you fit into any of them. A lot of times, not saying all the times, but a lot of times that doesn't necessarily lead anywhere unless you sort of bring them ideas and they kind of latch on to them. Would you, would you say that that's right, Ellsworth? Yeah. Or yeah, unless, yeah. I mean, unless something, unless you're like somebody that they might have another project that they already know you might be good for or, but for the most part, yeah, you better, yeah, don't do that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would say to, to anybody, I mean, maybe, and again, Ellsworth is far more the expert than I am, but I would say the concept of getting signed to a, you know, a one year holding deal, probably not a bad thing per se, but it also, because it, it does show that they have some sort of confidence in you, but it also does hinder your potential of other projects for at least a year. 100%. 100%. It's, it's a total where you're at in your career, you know, what you think is your best move. It's a, you know, it can be a hard decision to make. Sometimes it might not be easy, but you know, and realistically for, I don't, I, I don't really know many of his credits before this, but to have had this show be on for 19 episodes, get killed off, and then for them to say, hey, we want to sign you to a deal, probably not a bad thing in, in his no, case what, at that point in his career. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, you know, they saw something in him for sure. Um, and then the very last note that I have is that some Ian Summerhalder has been quoted as saying that working on lost was quote, the greatest experience of the greatest year of his life, unquote. And I also wrote in parentheses, of course, his later success with the vampire diaries, which was eight years, his marriage and the birth of his child have probably all topped that if I had to guess personally, but I think that's a really cool uh, quote that's out there about working on lost for what ended up being really, I think, and Jake, you could probably correct me if I'm wrong on this, 25 episodes, 26 episodes. I think his voice is heard in the, the other 48 days. So 26 episodes, I guess. Um, And then, you know, again, we said his character was sort of killed off. And really, I think maybe people will have a different perspective after this. But I think and I was even of the opinion going in almost a quote unquote nothing character when you compare him to, again, a Jack, a Locke, a Sawyer, a Saeed, a Kate, you know, so on and so forth. But, you know, the fact that he would, you know, at certain times, I guess, would still say, you know, the greatest experience of the greatest year of his life. Not a bad, uh, not a bad summary of his, of his time on Lost, at least as of the time of that quote. A Lost needs that PR out there because some of the other actors and actresses haven't said the greatest things about working uh, on Lost, you know, post-Lost. So, uh, you know. Keep saying the good good things out there, Ian, because we love this show. We don't ever want to think of it in a negative way. So uh, keep peddling that positive info. That is all the notes and everything that I have on Boone Carlisle. Uh, Jake, when you were doing your Mr. Lostpedia thing, did you come up with anything that I missed? Uh, nope. You hit all the, the good points. 
do we have anything else we want to talk about about Boone? A sac- excuse me, a sacrifice the story demanded. <laughs> what are you getting tired on me there, Paul? No, I just don't have anything else, Ellsworth. <laughs> okay. Okay, I love you guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, so let me ask you this: I'm gonna, you know, put you on the spot here on Mike and and ask, what did you think about this sort of different approach to an episode where it was more of a character breakdown instead of an episode breakdown or scenes or you know something like that? Oh, definitely, definitely a great approach. If you do it in the way that you slowly build into bigger characters is even more appealing because, you know, like you said, other characters, you know, Boone is almost a nothing character. But when we sat here and broke it down, you know, nothing character played a huge role in a bunch of fucking people's lives. So I, I don't know if I'd call him a nothing character. You know what I mean? So. I would continue to do stuff like this, Paul. You should. This is great. Break it down, you know. Dive in and get some other perspectives on other characters, too. Hi, friends. This is Ruth from Just Plain Crazy Face Art of Northeast Pennsylvania. We are now accepting bookings for birthday parties, spring and Easter events, as well as summer festivals. We offer face painting, glitter tattoos, as well as henna body art. We also offer the option of adding games or crafts to your party as well. Please check out our party services page on our website, justplaincrazyfaceart.com. Our face painting is done with water-based cosmetic products that are easily removed with soap and water. Let us use our 18-plus years in business to help you add color and fun to your event. We also have a large network of talented face art friends around the world, so even if we're not local to you, we probably know artists who are. Feel free to contact us to put you in touch with artists in your area. Thank you. I yeah, agree. as someone that's used to the, uh, the 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 breaking down of the episodes chronologically and everything like that, I I think it, the this format worked well for Boone. Uh, if you get some of the major major characters there <laughs> chronologically, they got a lot going on. Just imagine. Uh, I think what are we an hour and a half into this call right now? If we were to do Jack, I think we'd be just wrapping up his flashbacks now. You might be talking about uh, his tattoos right about now. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I... yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're going to run into more. That's that's why I was saying, it. you know, you do the more obscure characters or the not so focused on characters or the less than Jack Sawyer's locks and Saeed's and Kate's and front runners right off the bat. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, well, I, when I, I was, when I was sort of putting together and this is going back, I think even before we finished the series proper, I did sort of have in my mind, you know, I'm going to let the podcast, you know, sort of be for a little while. And then at a certain point, I wasn't sure when, but I figured, you know, at a certain point, I might bring it back and do some of these these bonus ones. And I always had sort of ideas like breaking down the like I said, you know, we did the previous episode. We did the season one deleted scenes. And, you know, I have some other some other ideas for some some episodes that with concepts like this that we haven't done. And I wanted to do sort of a character breakdown. 
And I don't want to say who the other one is that I had in mind because I thought, you know, maybe we could end up doing that. But I, I knew, and I, I've, you know, you both know, I talk with you guys about a lot of things off mic where I'll say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Whatever. And I may have even said it to you, you know, one or the both of you at various points. I know I'm almost certain I said it to like Liam and, you know, whatever people that are, you know, that I consider in my inner circle of creativity. And I, I, I definitely made the comment multiple times that I didn't want to start something like this with a character like Jack because there is so much. And I'm not saying there wasn't a lot because as we clearly realize, there is a lot with Boone. But again, it's 25, 26 episodes we're covering of the character of Boone versus at what, at least over a hundred with the character of Jack, you know, being the main character of the show. And I figured some of these more B and C level characters, at least to start would be sort of a good, you know, a good way to see if realistically, if this episode format would work, um, see, you know, sort of what people think about it. And, and it would be something where we could have just sort of a relatively quick conversation about, just some of these characters that, you know, maybe are more, like you said, you know, sort of obscure and ones that we, we don't necessarily think of on that level of Jack, Kate, Locke, so on and so forth. Right. So I think personally that this went very well. I am excited about the fact that we have lost with friends back in our lives um, I am very happy that the two of you came on this evening as we're recording this to talk about us. So thank you very much. I appreciate the both of you. And if everyone else out there wants to know more about either of you, where can they find you all around the internet? You can find me on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. The handle is Jake LCE. Facebook, it's Jacob Wolken. I am following Paul Clockshelves, so you can find me through that. And as always, you can find me over at the land of Twitter, uh, The Magician, T-H-E-M-A-J-I-S-H-N. I'm Ellsworth Certified on IG. Come holler at me. Let's chop it up. Talk it up. Thank you for having me, Paul. As always, it's been a pleasure Jake, you're my man. Thank you. You bring such wisdom and knowledge, and it's always a pleasure. My dude. Of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. You could find more about all of us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Clockshelves, C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. You probably got this episode early and uninterrupted if you went and subbed over at Content Club. It's our rebranded Patreon, still available at patreon.com slash Clockshelves. We are putting up some exclusive stuff over there. We are putting stuff up super early uh, so you can go throw some dough if you choose to do so and check that out. Um, of course, uh, oh, did I forget anything? I think that's pretty much everything that I need to do. Uh, we have a link tree where you can kind of find a lot of these links to this show, our other shows, things like that. It's in our Instagram bio. Um, I, uh, as of this recording, I just set that up relatively recently. So you can uh, find some stuff. Both of these gentlemen have been on 
uh, Paul and All, which is another show that I do. Actually, I think they were both on an episode together uh, previously, which was a really fun episode for us to to sort of do. Um, and yeah, uh, it's Clock Shelves. Pretty much anywhere that you are on social media, at Clock Shelves. Once again, that's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Uh, guys, I <clears throat> loved this discussion. It is honestly way more than I, and I, I mean this in a very good way. It is way more than I thought that we were going to get out of the character of Boone Carlisle. So, um, <laughs> I am very happy that we got to do this. We got to cover everything. We got to what, again, we have new guests, we have new perspectives and at least myself, and I'm pretty sure I could speak for Jake here. We walked away with you know, maybe thinking about things a little bit differently, at least with uh, regards to hallucinations and things on the island. Do either of you have anything else you want to say about Boone Carlisle or uh, Lost with Friends or anything like that before we get out of here? Good to be back. (laughs) Uh, It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course, sir. You are. You know what? I'll say it because I say it to new people whenever they're on. You are more than welcome back at any point. Uh, so with that being said, uh, I got to get lost with my friends. We will end with the. Oh, I get I get to say this again for the second time in like a month. And it feels so good to say we will end with the traditional. Thank you. Namaste and good luck. Good <laughs> luck.